you're listening to In the Press Box. Now, here are your hosts, Dalton Bishop and Josh Dakin. And welcome, everyone, to Season 1, Episode number 8 of In the Press Box. He's Josh Dakin. I am Dalton Bishop. And we are excited to be back and bring you yet another episode of In the Press Box. Josh, on today's episode, we will talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Some very big storylines for this team headed into a new football season. We're also going to talk about the previous weekend of high school football, volleyball, and soccer in our area. Plus, how could we not, with it nearing and being so close, talk about the start of college football. A couple of games to come this weekend, and then everything kicks off September 2nd. Yeah, I cannot wait, and I'm so happy that we're able to finally get back on here and bring you an episode after a little bit of a hiatus just simply due to the influx and work for me and you both. We're announcing high school athletics now, so it's been really difficult with the start of the school year, just finding some time. So we apologize for that, but super excited to get back going here with episode number eight. Yeah, well, and with that being said, we'll go ahead and dive right into it because we have a ton to talk about today. With the Indianapolis Colts, there's a lot of question marks, and it all starts with Jonathan Taylor He returned to the Colts last week, and while he didn't participate in practice, he was at least with the Colts now. Yeah, you know, I don't really know what to think about this whole situation other than Jim Irsay's kind of foolish, (laughs) if you will. You know, I've never been a big fan of him. That's the main reason I actually don't like the Colts at all. I never really want the Colts to win, actually, just because of Jim Irsay. And I think that Jonathan Taylor wants out of there because Jim Irsay doesn't know what he's doing. I I mean, I I would back that up. I don't know if it's not that he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just absolutely mentally insane. Well, maybe that's what I'm looking for. Now, the reasoning we're told that he didn't participate is because he continues to rehab a surgically repaired ankle. And with that being said, Colts general manager Chris Ballard stated the other day that he thinks the world of Jonathan Taylor, and he said that Taylor has been a great Colt and a great Colt player. Taylor played injured most of the season last year and up until he couldn't because he needed surgery. Ballard stated he's finishing up his rehab process and that they're taking their time with Jonathan Taylor. They don't need him doing anything until he's 100%, which I can respect. The question everyone's asking is, and will Jonathan Taylor play for the Colts this season? If so, will Taylor be healthy and cleared for contact in the Colts week one matchup with Jacksonville? You know, I don't know if he's going to be ready. I think that if they're really going to be due diligent and take their time with him, I think it's probably going to be a week two or week three case for his starting on the field play. But I also would argue that he's the best running back the Colts have had maybe since Joseph Adai. Uh, Frank Gore was good, just wasn't there super long. The last good running back I can remember would be Joseph Adai, and I think Jonathan Taylor's ten times better than he is. So I think the Colts are kind of silly to even let this one go, and I don't know why. I mean, he wants more money from what I understand and the Colts aren't wanting to pay more money. Well, and the reason behind the the reason they don't want to pay him more money is there's two reasons. One is he's still on his rookie contract and so he's been injured and he's you know not pro- I mean he's proven to be one of the best, right? Oh yeah. But you're still on your rookie contract and he said before uh summer camp and everything started that I'm on my contract and I'm and I respect that. Well, now all of a sudden all these running backs come together and say, hey, we want paid, and now Jonathan Taylor jumps on that train. Well, and I think a lot of the other teams are paying those running backs, and I think Jonathan Taylor almost feels left out. 
So I think that's maybe why he's wanting a little bit more money. You know, I'm not in the front office. I have no idea what's going on other than what you've read and what we understand from what we're seeing on ESPN, NFL Network. But what it sounds like to me is the Colts better find some money to give him or they're going to lose a diamond in the rough. I mean, this guy could be a long-time running back for the Colts if he can stay healthy, and that's a big if because I feel like every year he's getting injured about midway through the year. But when he's healthy, he's arguably the second or third best running back in the league. You could even argue that he could be the best running back in the league. So it just kind of depends on where you stand. You know, if I was a Colts fan, I would want to keep him around. But I really don't know. They've made a couple offseason moves to get other experienced running backs in there. I think Kenyon Drake was just signed maybe by the Colts. So it's kind of like uh, addition by subtraction, but the addition maybe isn't quite as strong as Jonathan Taylor. Correct. And so with that being said, the Colts are very banked up, right? Like we haven't even started regular season. The Colts obviously won a preseason game against the Chicago Bears, which nobody really cares about preseason. I mean, you do get to see some of the newer guys that you may see play in the season. But with that being said, the Colts lost Ashton Doolin due to a torn ACL. He's going to be out for the season. Jonathan Taylor's ankle is to be determined. You don't know when he's coming back. Shaquille Leonard is in concussion protocol, so you're probably looking two or three weeks on him. Ryan Kelly has a foot injury. He hasn't practiced since last Wednesday. Will Fry's a calf is questionable. DeForest Buckner, a foot, has been out since August 3rd, which is very concerning if you're a Colts fan. Jelani Woods, hamstring, Moali Cox, foot, all these guys injured. Plus you have um, some other guys that we didn't even mention that are injured. It's crazy to think, but this Colts team very banged up and they haven't even got to week one of the football season. We are going to try to have Matt Taylor, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts Radio Network, joining us at some point over the next couple of weeks. With that being said, we would love to kind of get his perspective on that. But from your perspective as an Eagles fan, as someone looking outside in into the Colts organization, all these injuries before going into week one has to create some question marks. (laughs) It does more than create question marks. It almost feels like it's devastation. I mean, you named multiple starters on that particular list. And like you said, the list goes on. And some of those are key guys. Jonathan Taylor, Mo Ali Cox, uh, Buckner, I, Darius Leonard now goes by Shaquille, correct? Right. So he yeah. has a name change there. I'm not used to that. I still call him Darius. So Leonard's hurt. I mean, you've got so many big name guys that are making big time money. If I'm the opposing team, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go in there and we're going to kick butt. Um, who do the Colts open with week one? Jacksonville, who's been a Colts killer. Not only have they been a Colts killer, I think they were the most improved football team in the NFL last year. And I'm not, and not to interrupt you, but I'm not so sure that they're not going to be the best team in that division. Oh, I, I was getting ready to – you took the words right out of my mouth. They were the most improved last year, and they're going to continue that hot streak with uh, uh, Sunshine at quarterback, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and Doug Peterson, of course. You know, one of, he's going to be a Hall of Famer in my opinion – First-year head coach wins the Super Bowl in Philadelphia. I just think that he does such a good job with Trevor Lawrence. They've finally built an athletic team and a talented team. That's going to be the best team in the AFC South. Colts might struggle week one. You know, this is a growing season. I don't think Colt Colt fans need to come in and think that they're going to make the playoffs this year. You have a first-year quarterback. You've got a banged-up roster. This is definitely a rebuild year, and it's a year to kind of – 
get your feet wet, if you will, and see really what Richardson's all about. So, I mean, maybe you could speak on a little bit. I would not say that your expectation is playoffs, though. I wouldn't think. I would imagine with Anthony Richardson and, and the, the reason the Colts drafted him, and, and just to clear the air, a lot of people are questioning, because I did share a post on Facebook the other day about Shane Steichen naming Anthony Richardson the week one starter, and people are like, well, that's not news. It is in the sense because Gardner Minshew was among that race, and Shane Steichen said, just because we drafted Anthony Richardson doesn't mean he's going to be our week one starter. Absolutely. We're going to work him into that. So that is news because no. Anthony Richardson, now the week one starter of the Colts, I think the expectation is for him is to come in and, and change this quarterback issue that the Colts have had. Now, with that being said, you're not probably going to make the playoffs. If you do, I think that's just uh, icing on top of the cake. I think the Colts realistically are probably somewhere between that five to seven win range this season, and that's probably being generous. Yeah, and I think they're one or two years out from really being a solid full team that can make a deep playoff run, kind of like they were a couple years back when they made that playoff run. I can't even remember who was the quarterback. Now, all the Colts years kind of run together because I feel <laughs> like I watch about every game just because it's the only game that's on television now. Now that we have YouTube TV and got NFL Sunday ticket, and I'm a full Eagle guy, uh, thank you last year for letting us use the Sunday ticket. <laughs> I was able to watch the Eagles. Um, but I feel like the Colts always are kind of that 5-7 to seven win, but I always feel like they can get into the playoffs just because the AFC South has been so terrible over the last 5-10 to ten years. Tennessee Titans have been okay. Houston's been maybe the worst franchise in the NFL uh, Jacksonville was one of the worst franchises in the NFL. So the Colts, it was pretty much a cakewalk. As long as you could beat Tennessee maybe just <laughs> once. Now Jacksonville's good. Tennessee's kind of on the downtrend, though. So the Colts could kind of take over that second-place spot and compete if they wanted to. I just think they're probably one year out. I think Richardson needs just a little bit of time. And just to reference, even Justin Herbert – or a Justin Fields or a Jalen Hurts. I think he's really similar to a Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields are the three that really come to mind when I think of Anthony Richardson. But I think just those quarterbacks in general, you know, they're really starting their third or fourth year. The only one that's not is Lamar Jackson. Look what they've done from year one to year two and from year two to year three. Jalen Hurts went from a uh, below-average quarterback to now maybe being a top-three quarterback in the league just in the matter of two years. So I think Richardson needs one or two more years, and I think Colts fans have a keeper. I think that was the quarterback I would have drafted if I was a Colts fan. I know you maybe wanted Will Levis or whoever you wanted. That is the pick I would have went with if I was in the front office of the Colts, and I think you will be rewarded, maybe not this year, but next. I, and I said it from the time the Colts drafted Anthony Richardson. I wasn't a fan of it, but over time I think it's grown on me because I see the ceiling that he has. And with that being said, like – He can do both. Right. He can run. He can pass. He, he, he brings a different dynamic to the Colts that they haven't had since Andrew Luck when he stepped away. And Luck wasn't nearly the type of runner that Richardson is. So, uh, And Richardson's more of an athlete than Luck was too. I mean, he was the most athletic quarterback in the draft. Yeah, I think you got to steal there. I do think he's an even better athlete than Bryce Young, who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Yes. So I'm just telling you right now, Colts fans should be thrilled with who they got running the ship. Most people don't know that we typically, and for those that don't know, we do typically record our podcast 
a couple of days in advance from the time we publish. And that's gonna, you'll understand why once we get into this next segment that I told you that. And also, uh, with that being said, we are recording this on Sunday, August the 20th. I did talk to Matt Taylor earlier today, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. We're in the process of trying to work out our schedules with his to have him on to talk more in-depth Indianapolis Colts football. So with that being said, we'll move into our next segment, which is Grant County Fall Sports back in action with soccer, volleyball, and high school football. Uh, You and I had an opportunity now because of what Andy McCord has built, which is something outstanding. We'll give Andy some props on that a little bit later in the show. I have a part that I want to mention what what we've got going on but we had an opportunity to announce a volleyball match last week with Marion and Northfield. Marion volleyball one and one on the year they lost to Northfield who's been dominant for us over the past uh, several seasons. They lost three nothing. Marion showed spurts throughout that match of what the potential of that volleyball team could be this season though. They're athletic. (laughs) They're really athletic. They're fairly young even as well. There are a couple players for Marion that could be really, really good, if not this year, next year. They've got a couple really good seniors that fit into the mix, too, but I really like this team. I think athleticism sometimes beats, like talent sometimes beats fundamentals, even though sometimes hard work beats talent. They work hard, too. They work hard, and they're athletic, so it's just a matter of time before Dara Richards can get this ship moving fully in the right direction. I think and then they they won Saturday yes. clearly since they're one and one so i think that that dedication and we talked about those seniors really wanting to win and change the culture and do all the things to get Marion back where they need to be and i think that's all starting to happen they were a lot of fun to watch and i hope we get the chance to watch them again i usually don't say that about Marion athletics but in this situation i am super thrilled to watch them play they do it the right way they're respectful well done by Coach Richards turning this program around. Yeah, and, and you talked about the the play of some of those some of those girls, and I want to give those girls the recognition they oh. deserve. And we're just going to mention their names now. Zay Williams played phenomenal in that match. I thought what Taylor Stallman was able to do was awesome, being an outside hitter. Erica Watson, who's now the libero for the Giants, played very well. She's playing left back, which Coach Richards told us about, which isn't uncommon for the libero, especially at the college level. So something that you're starting to see trickle down into high school a little bit more. Kiara Reynolds, Chloe Bell Mitchell, Justine Morgan, and really just the whole Marion volleyball team, in my opinion, will have a good season before it's all said and done. Yeah, I think they're going to be really good by the end of the year, and I really do think that they're a team that if they're peaking at sectional time, Maybe won't win a sectional just because McCutcheon's in the mix there, but they could have a chance to play for a sectional championship. They have that type of roster. So they started the season 0-1. They got a win on Saturday, as you alluded to, beating Indianapolis Christmas Addicts three sets to one. If you're listening to us, they played Elwood probably last night from when you're listening to us on a Wednesday, which would be they played Elwood which is for us recording the podcast on a Sunday. They'll play this upcoming Tuesday. So they played Elwood last night. If you're listening today, when we recorded this podcast, they had not yet played them. Correct. We hope, knocking on wood, that they did beat Elwood, and now they're 2-1. and one. Eastbrook Volleyball is now under a new head coach and an assistant coach, Bailey Havens and Leslie Hudson, both stepping down this season. And it makes sense because Bailey now having a kid that she has to take care of and also wanting to watch her sister to me – who is a part of the Madison Grant volleyball team. And, and, hey, I respect that. Yeah, I mean, I 
it was time to put family first. I am fully supportive. I wish she was still here. You know, me just deciding to come back to Eastbrook. <laughs> I really enjoyed working with her, doing, you know, announcing with you. But Eastbrook got a pretty good hire. Katie Sutherland's pretty good at what she does. Been able to set in on a few practices. Uh, she's she's got a pretty good group. Indeed, they beat Southern Wells in the season opener three to nothing. Then they fell to Adam Central three to nothing this past weekend. They played in a tournament where they beat Rochester two nothing, then fell to North Miami two nothing, and then ended up beating Peru two to nothing. So Eastbrook sits at three and two on the year, and Eastbrook another team who graduated a ton of talent, but they also returned some talent as well. Senior Courtney Goff is back for her senior season. Braylon Elstock is back, someone who really last season impressed me a ton. Yeah. Uh, Lenny Broadcorb and of course some younger talent as well as the Lady Panthers uh, look forward to get back in action this Thursday at Wabash. Yeah, and I think we're going to have the opportunity. To do, actually, we are going to have the opportunity to do that game. I got confirmation Friday night that me and you are going to be on the call for that game. Well, hey, hey. So I'm super excited to get to watch them. Haven't got to watch them yet with us being so busy doing other games. But, I, you know, since I work at Eastbrook, I get the opportunity to talk to the girls and talk to Coach. And they have high hopes for this season. You know, she takes over a really good program. Last year, they started to take that big step from being a contender to being a true blue blood, if you will. And the program itself is moving in the right direction. I think it continues to probably stay at that level, if not hopefully increase by the end of the year. But this is a team that could win a sectional. I mean, they got that mixture of youth and experience, and they're in a sectional that is gettable, even though Madison Grant is in the sectional. Anything can happen, you know. Eastbrook did beat Madison Grant last year, <laughs> and Madison Grant does not have the same kind of uh, star power, power yeah. if you will. So it could be a good matchup this year. Yeah, and why not since you confirmed for me that we are broadcasting that game on Thursday. The Lady Panthers are back in action Thursday or tomorrow, if you're listening on Wednesday at Wabash, you can hear the live radio coverage of that match beginning at 6.30 on the Action Sports Network. Thank you to our boss, Andy McCord, for giving us that opportunity. Yeah. He's really built a great thing with the Action Sports Network. It's the only place you're going to hear volleyball coverage, the only place you're going to hear coverage of 13 different schools. And, again, we'll get more into depth with that coming up a little bit later on. Miss Cinewall Volleyball 0-2 to start this year. Losses to Eastern and Western, both three sets to none. Miss Cinewall, another team very young, but a talented group. Victoria Dittmar returns for her second season as the head coach. And as you know, Josh, it can be challenging to build a program in just one year. It's really challenging to build a program in one year. You know, me being a coach, I've been a part of three different programs now that has been through the process of building, and it takes more than a year. You know, we were thankful at Mrs. Cinewall to do it in two. Here at Eastbrook, it's year number six now, and we're just now starting to build. So it just really, it's ebbs and flows with the talent that you have. Mrs. Cinewall, it's a little bit disappointing, though. You know, I figured this team would be really, really good, and I understand I'm not saying that they're playing cupcakes. You know, Eastern and, who would you say, Western? Western. You know, those are two solid teams, but... As young as they were last year and as hard as they competed, I mean, a lot of times they were going into five sets or four sets, really extending the games and making it difficult. I did not think I would see them setting at 0-2. I thought that I might see this team at 2-0 right now, and I personally thought that they would 
probably be the best team in the conference. And I, I think with and that, there's still a long way to go. I'm, I don't mean to interrupt, but let me rephrase how I say this. There's still a long way to go. We're only one week into the season, but I did not expect to see 0-2. I was a little bit shocked when you said that, actually. Yeah, and I think, like, and I get where you're coming from, but I think also here in year two that you're going to see major strides for that program for Victoria Dittmar, despite the slow start, because they do have some seniors, Carson Yakel. Laney Sellers, Avery Mariel, and Emily Reno, who all return, plus a ton of underclassmen talent with the likes of Emma Jacks, McKenna Campbell, Brooklyn Nash, just to name a few. Uh, and I think come Grant Four, this team could be a team that we're talking about that could be a surprise to some people. Yeah, I mean, I still think that the ceiling is super high, and I didn't want to be a Debbie Downer the whole time and just say, like, I'm disappointed in where they're at. I mean, we're two games in. Right. I mean, they still are going to play 28-plus games the rest of this year. They could finish the season 28-2, and two, and then I would look really stupid. <laughs> and hopefully I do look stupid because I root for Victoria in that group. I just think that I thought maybe they would come out to a quick start because I felt towards the end of the, end of the year last year they were clicking on all cylinders. They did lose a couple, but they really only lost two or three girls. She returns probably 85 to 90% of her minutes. Right. I thought that it might be a quicker start, but I still do think that they could be the best team in the Grant Four. They still could win a conference. Heck, they haven't played a conference game yet. But I think after I've watched a week, I, I don't think that they're probably the best team in the Grant Four. I'm not getting into a segue here to the next topic, but Oak Hill is – pretty freaking good yes they you are know, we were getting score updates thursday night as we were doing uh northfield marion or was it tuesday night i don't know tuesday the, night the, yeah the, the days run together oak hill was putting a stomping on maconaqua correct so i'm just saying oak hill might be the real deal this year and i think they return a lot too so we've got a lot of good teams in the area here well you're listening to season one episode number eight of in the press box speaking of oak hill four and one to start this season, Carrie Barkham has done a great job at getting that group off to a fast start. The lone loss coming to Northfield, 2-1 to one this past Saturday. But again, another team that I think will be a surprise to a lot of people this season. Yeah, and that loss to Northfield is <laughs> not a bad loss at all. Right. We've seen them play already this year, and I'm sure we'll see them a lot more. They've got a lot of talent up front. They've got a lot of talent just overall, and they're deep. Yes. So that's a team that you really are going to be hearing a lot of probably come tournament time. Oak Hill's the real deal, though. We thought last year that they were super close to breaking the breaking the seal and being really good, and I think this year they finally got that done so far. They've come out like a firecracker here to start the year, and I don't see that flame going out anytime soon. They could steamroll here, and right now – only being a weekend, they would be my favorite to win the Grant Four and also probably my favorite to win the conference. Yeah, and they return a core senior-led group of Olivia Shaw, Taylor Holloway, Isabel Dominici, and Tommy Melton. They have a very strong junior class of Bella Taylor, Braley Evans, Aubrey Warnick, Amaya Thompson, Claire Templin. This group's going to be a very fun group to watch over the course of a full season. Yeah, and I actually believe that we get to do one of their games this week. I so think so, yeah. I'm super excited to get to finally <laughs> like watch Like you said, it all year. runs together. I think actually <laughs> uh, when people are listening to this, like we said, we're recording this on Sunday, August 20th. I think the game that we're doing would have been yesterday if you're listening on Wednesday yes. and this upcoming Tuesday for us. Yes. So what gets confusing about our schedule is not to change the subject <laughs> from Oak Hill, 
but we're announcing five games this week. We're right. doing four volleyball matches, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we're going to be at Concordia Friday for Eastbrook versus Concordia. So we've got a full schedule this <laughs> week, so they all run together. But, no, Oak Hill really is going to be a solid group. I am super excited to watch them play on Tuesday, which would have been yesterday for the listeners. This team could go very far. Yeah. Our final volleyball team to talk about, Madison Grant, the defending sectional CIC and Grant Four champions. They lose two very key pieces to the lineup with graduation today, Green and Alexis Bainey, which is why uh, there's going to be some growing pains for Madison Grant. Of course, Daya Green owns an entire wall of records for volleyball. And Alexis Bainey, who now plays collegiately at IU Kokomo, those two right there are hard to replace. They do return some experience in the likes of Maddie Moore, Ella Brummett, Megan Wilson, Demi Havens, uh, Jonna Hyatt, Cami Decker, and many more. But it's been a rough start for the Lady Argyles, just one in four to start the season. Yeah, and that's very uncharacteristic of a Madison Grant volleyball team. And I think that they're going to be playing in new territory this year. They're used to being the big bulldog. They're going to have to be the underdog in a lot of games this year. And I am super excited to see how they take on that challenge. This team's going to battle adversity. They don't have quite the firepower that they have had in the past when they've been very, very good. I mean, when you think of Madison Grant, you think of volleyball and you think of softball. Volleyball has been good since we were little kids, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> so they're playing a new style of volleyball. They're just not being the alpha male. They're going to have to compete which I'm not saying these girls are. I think that they're up for the challenge. They've got a very good head coach who we both adore very much. Um, I, I like this program. I think tradition speaks a lot for itself. As we talked about in our last IU podcast, I think that tradition sells. I think that tradition will sell for Madison Grant. And I think that by the end of the year, they still are probably going to be the favorite to win their sectional. I, w I would imagine so. You know? Kayla Jump knows what she's doing. Yeah. Come tournament time, they're going to be just fine. They're going to play a lot of really good teams. So they're 1-4 and because they're playing good competition. She doesn't schedule lightly. She wants them to be ready for tournament time. But that sectional itself is wide open. You've got a ton of teams who can win that sectional. Yeah. Okay? You've got a ton of teams. So don't freak out if you're a Madison Grant fan. It's all going to be fine. <laughs> yes. I've been there, done that as a coach. You know, started one and four and still finished the season respectable. you got a good coach. You've got good athletes. It's just a matter of time. Give it time to click. The new chemistry, if you will, just because there's stars that aren't there anymore. It's all going to be okay. Well, Josh, for you and I, volleyball in a full force now and something that's in full force for one of our co-workers Marquis Severe is soccer because yes. it's in full force it's on the action sports network and soccer scores from this past week Eastbrook loses a heartbreaker in overtime to Oak Hill one to nothing and then they tie with Delta this past weekend zero to zero so Eastbrook oh one and one and that is girls correct girls yes. soccer so that is girls I, um, I did not get any boys soccer updates and I do apologize to the guys if uh we will we promise to have you on the next episode yeah for Eastbrook I don't know what the outcome was they played Huntington nor or they played Columbia City on Saturday and I don't know how the end of that contest was that was their first game of the season I do know that yeah so for the guys I apologize that's yeah. on me yeah, the girls, though, first-year head coach, you know, working out some of the, the kinks and some of the experiences of being a first-year high school coach. The head coach is from Taylor. He was the assistant soccer coach there. 
So a lot of experience comes in, but super young team. You know, they don't have Sarah Falk anymore. They don't have uh, – I'm trying to think of all – You know, my, There's been so much talent. My first – my first time at Eastbrook, those first three years, the girls were winning sectional every year and going to regional and semi-states. So there were so many good girls that have been in the program. Sarah Folks, the one that everybody remembers just because she has the record, the Grant County record for most goals in a season. Um, you know, you lose that kind of output. Things are going to be rough for a couple of years just trying to rebuild the program. But once again, tradition sells, and Eastbrook has good soccer programs so that's something to look forward to for both the girls and the boys' side. For Oak Hill, again, talking girls' soccer, Oak Hill starts the season 1-0 and 1. The win coming against Eastbrook in overtime one nothing. This past Saturday, they tied Kokomo 0-0. Yeah, that's a good finish for them. Kokomo being a huge 4A school, Oak Hill teetering on that 2A to 3A line. There's some speculation as to if they're going to be 2A if they're going to be 3A, and I know in soccer there's not as many classes. I think it's just three classes, I think. Yeah, three classes. I could be wrong. So Kokomo would be 3A, Oak Hill would be 2A. If we're talking sports in general, Oak Hill's kind of on that line. Um, that's that's a good start for them. They have got good programs over there, too. I yeah, mean, they're on both sides. Boys and girls soccer at Oak Hill and I would say Eastbrook are the top two programs in the area. Mrs. Senawal has kind of been trending upward, but Oak Hill solid, girls team solid. They're going to be fun to watch. Marky's going to have a lot of fun doing those games. You know, I'm not going to be doing any soccer. No, I have. I don't know the slightest thing about soccer. <laughs> no offense to soccer players, but it's not my sport. I don't know anything about it, so I would sound really stupid if I was up there trying to do a play-by-play -play or color <laughs> for you. So I'm going to tr try to stick to things that I halfway know. And we'll let Marky take care of that. Absolutely. Mrs. Sinawal, one and two to start the season. Andrea Wilson has really done a great job at changing the culture yes. of Miss Sinawal girls soccer. They beat McConaughey the season opener two to one. They lost to Manchester three to nothing and Delta two to one. But Mrs. Sinawal, the culture of that soccer, the girls soccer, and I would say the boys yeah. side too has really changed. Andrea Wilson has done a great job. Um, they've had some talent that they've lost over the past couple of years, but I want to mention their names because they were part in that changing the culture stigma for Mrs. Sinawa, uh girls soccer. That's Elena Webb, Leah Lucetti, who may honestly be one of the better uh, girls soccer players to ever play at Mrs. Sinawa, who's now playing collegiately at Huntington. Yeah. You also had Beth Lucas back when we, when we were in high school. Yeah. Um, the culture has changed. Yeah, the culture's changed, and I could be wrong on this because I, once again, you know, we graduated from Miss Cinewall, but soccer was not really my thing. I didn't get to go to many soccer games. I believe Andrea has been the only girls soccer coach that Miss Cinewall's had. I think you're correct. Um, and she's done a great job of, you, you got to do two things. Number one, you start up a program. You got to do more than just build a culture. You've got to build a program. Correct. So you've got to literally build a program that's never been there before, and she has done a great job with that. On the boys' side, there's only ever been two coaches. Correct. Lenny Peters, who's one of my best friends, one of my former coworkers. I would argue that he's the best coach that Mrs. Sinwall will ever have, boys-wise. But Real has done a really good job, too. He's taken it to the next level. Lenny built the program. Real has taken it to the next level because yeah. they're starting to get kids involved in soccer. You know, Lenny had a hard time getting kids wanting to come out. 
Well, now Real's not having any problems with that. He's able to build that program. And they could have the best season they've ever had this year. I mean, their boys' program is outstanding. It could compete for a conference championship now, which I believe this is the first year that the this is a conference sport, I believe. I think so, correct. So. Uh, Marion, on the other hand, 0-2. They have losses to two juggernauts, one of them being Central Noble 6-1 to and Southside 10 to nothing. <laughs> wow. That's a schedule right there. Central Noble's in my old conference up at Garrett, very good at soccer and Southside. All those Fort Wayne teams are super athletic, so you never know what you're going to get into with that. That's a rough goal of it so far. Yeah. <laughs> Diving into football uh, from this past Friday, Marion beat Southside 22-17 after trailing, uh, I think it was 14 to nothing at halftime. Uh, Marion, again, a different type of culture over at Marion for football because James Bell out, Coach Craig Chambers in. They get a new defensive coordinator in Willie Barnes. They get a transfer from Mississippi and a quarterback, Logan Barnes. But from my understanding, by looking at the numbers and stuff, Logan Barnes did struggle in that season opener. It's going to be interesting to see how he responds in week two against his former school at Mississippi. He's walking into a uh, <laughs> perfect storm, if you will, and not in the good way. You know, you, you maybe make some teammates upset with leaving the program to go to the rival, quote-unquote. I wouldn't consider Marion and Mississippi a rivalry ever anyways. They never used to play until really the last 10 years for basketball especially, but football now even a little bit. Um, I, I really don't know. I'm not a big fan of the hiring of Greg Chambers after his first go-around at Marion with all the transfers that he brought in from Indianapolis and getting in trouble. I just think that there's a lot of stuff. This time he's done it the right way. They rehired him. He did not bring any transfers, from my understanding, up with him. Uh, I think everybody deserves a second chance. Just not maybe a team that I would really want to root for, but that's just me. Um, I'm trying not to be too opinionated here because I really don't know. I know in high school we didn't like playing Marion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's anybody that, like, that misses Cinewall, Marion, as you would say, and you don't say, but as everyone says, quote-unquote, rivalry that's why there's that love-hate relationship your friends off the field your enemies on the field I mean I don't put it this way I don't find it a surprise that Marion won and I'll say that because when Greg Chamber was the coach he won when he left things went into the dumpster fire it was a dumpster fire it just was they sucked they weren't good they didn't win Greg Chambers is back he brings stability back they're winning again. Right. He he, he knows what he's He's a done. good coach. He's a phenomenal coach. He's a great coach. I'm not denying any of that. I just don't like how he, how he did things the first time around. Yeah, and they have a ton of talent. They do. They're loaded with talent. I mean, every kid on that roster is athletic. Yes. he really They really are. So I think that this is a team that's going to be better than two wins. I think they won two last year, maybe three. They're going to be better than that. Are they going to win a conference? Probably not. Are they going to win a sectional? No way. But – they're starting to move in the right direction again, and I think in a couple of years they're going to have a chance to compete. Again, Marion beats Fort Wayne Southside 22-17 to in a week one. Mississippi, a big win over Norwell 23-21, the first time in a program history since they've started playing football that Mississippi has beat Norwell. It was at Norwell where they had only lost one game in the last three years on their home field. Kyle Burris has really taken over a well-oiled machine and has really kept 
pouring the oil in the engine. That Nissan Walls, they're, they're rolling right now. They're rolling right now, and it's only week one, so. What, what, and what I mean by rolling is if you look at their past Correct. history leading into this Correct. season and then starting with a win. Well, I wasn't denying any of that. I was just going to yeah. say, okay, yes, they're rolling. They got a huge win. Did it shock me? Absolutely. I didn't even give them a chance to win that game, and I'll explain why in a minute. I think that Mississippi's probably the best team in the conference. I know that's maybe a struggle for me to say. Um, I love Coach Burrish. Is he a coach funk? Absolutely not. But is he a good coach? And can he make the program as good or better? Absolutely. I really do think he can. I think this is the year that they could win a sectional, his first, right? Or no, no it would be, be his, his second. second. Yeah. It would be his second. And I think it's a year that they could even go even further than a sectional if they get the right draw. I didn't have him winning week one, though. Norwell, super solid. Not only are they super solid, they've lost, like you said, one time in the last three years at home, and they won like 13 games last year. Yeah. Now, they did graduate a core group. They did. But they were still super solid, and they took it to Mississippi last year and beat them 20-7, to I believe. Yeah, 22-7. 22-7. to So, I didn't see that one coming at all. I'm super shocked by that. I'm super happy, though. You know, a lot of those kids on the team were kids that we didn't maybe go to school with but knew growing up and were around a lot. So I'm super happy for them. I'm super happy that they won. There's only one game of the season I won't root for them, and I'm not going to get into that. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, wonder, I wonder who that could be. I wonder. <laughs> I, I really do wonder who that could be. I, when they play Eastbrook, I, I will not be rooting for Mississippi. Let's just be honest. But with that being and said. And it's understandable. And it's understandable. I work for Eastbrook. I cheer for Eastbrook. Here's the thing, though. I'm super happy with what they're doing over there. I'm glad that he's been able to carry on Coach Funk's tradition uh, I still wish Coach Funk would be there. Right. We all do. And I, and I think that's anybody in that Gas City, Missinwall community. And I think there's that's why when their things aren't going well, there's that issue because yeah. – and we talk about it with IU football. Yeah. Bob Knight is Bob Knight. You're never getting him back. Kurt Funk is Kurt Funk. You're probably never getting him back. Yeah. And with that being said, like – if you look at the numbers for Mississippi over the last six seasons, they've been to a sectional championship five of the last six seasons, yeah. and they've won three of those six. Yeah, I mean, it's been solid. Kyle has kept that up from when he took over the job, and he took it over at the worst time possible with COVID, <laughs> trying to get a playbook in. You know, I give him nothing but credit and respect. He's done a great job. He is a class act. I'm telling you right now, Mississippi might have a negative connotation towards them, but he does a class act. They're so much fun to watch, and he does it the right way. So he's got my respect, and I will cheer for them because of that. Eastbrook over Huntington North in what everyone seems to be an eye-opener, a kind of a close game, 27-24. to 24. You had the opportunity to see that one as I did the Mississippi-Norwell game. Yeah. From your perspective, how was that? Well, I'll tell you this. They shouldn't have won. But I'm going to tell you, they're good because they won. Let me explain. They turned it over four times. Oh, Lord. And there were multiple penalties. They had like eight, seven or eight penalties. They turned it over four times and still win the football game. And that's not to say that Huntington North is bad because Huntington North turned it over only twice. You think about it this way. This is not the normal Jeff Adamson football team. You don't have quite as many What's the right word? Corn. You don't have quite as many corn-fed guys out there, right. and you don't have quite the talent that he normally has. 
But once again, it goes back to tradition and system, and they win. Jeff Adamson wins. Uh, He's among, I think, the top five in the state of Indiana. All-time wins, and when you think about it, He's been there. He's been at Eastbrook. What thirty? This is his thirty-third like, or thirty-fifth. No, I think it's like thirty-eighth. So he's I, either way. He's been here forever. It's thirty-three plus years, and he's had three losing seasons. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen very many places. He's that way. almost three hundred games over five hundred. <laughs> Not okay. That was an exaggeration. It's two hundred games over five hundred. No, but still, but it feels like, like three hundred. They win games. They turn it over four times, they have eight penalties, and they still win the football game. And it wasn't pretty, but it's that Eastbrook football. Get us down to the one-yard line, let's fight. Huntington North was on the one-yard line two different times, and Eastbrook stopped him. Four downs stopped him. Wow. This is a fun team to watch, and Bodie Howe's the real deal. Madison Grant over Tri-Central, 58-27. Brady Turner, absolutely head over heels, changed that Madison Grant football culture. speechless (laughs) (laughs) speechless <laughs> <laughs> first time in josh dakin's life speechless. i mean i'm speechless brady turner has done such a good job i cheer for him so much because he's one of my good friends i cheer for him all but in the purdue category yes all but the <laughs> purdue category i'm with you i honestly agree 100 percent. he has done such a good job at really revamping the madison grant program week one's you know tri central was improved from last year but still not you could kind of categorize it as a this come this will come back and bite me in the butt, but a cupcake. Yeah. You know, there's certain games on the schedule you know you're probably going to win unless something crazy happens. Yes, that's one of them. Next week they're going to get a little bit better of a test, maybe Southern Wells. Okay, not no, much. not really. Okay, so they <laughs> actually <laughs> be probably a worse test. So you know they're going to be two and zero going into the conference schedule. <laughs> the ceiling is high for his group. I really do think so. When he took over the program, he had 19 kids. He's up yeah. to 45 now. So, And they've got a lot of talent that ha- that returned. They lost Tanner yeah. Brooks, but they returned Xavier Yegi. They returned Cole Stitt, who was unbelievable for them yeah. against Tri-Central. Yeah, and they beat a really good team in Mississippi last year. They so did. they have yes. beat good teams when it comes down to it. They competed with Eastbrook. They competed with Oak Hill. You never know. They're not out of the mix for a conference title this year. I mean, none of the teams are because we haven't played a conference game. But they honestly, if you would tell me Madison Grant would win the conference last year or this year, <laughs> I would not tell you you were crazy. Like, honestly, I think they could. Yeah. Oak Hill beats Eastern 34-19, to our final football score from week number one, another legend in Bud Osmond. Yeah, Bud Osmond's a legend. He's also a class act. So isn't all the co- – honestly, all the coaches. In I think the, all the coaches in the Grant County area. They're all yeah. class acts. They do it the right way. Bud is no exception. He's the second longest tenured coach in the conference. He's been at Oak Hill, I believe, 19 years now. They're the best team in the conference, hands down. There's no team that's going to beat Oak Hill. I really don't think so. And people can come at me or whatever – they're the best team in the conference. They're the w- most well-rounded team. I would be shocked if they lose a conference game this year. I really do. Fair enough. Well, this week, here's a look at the schedule for the Grant County uh, high school football teams. Marion is at Mississinawal, a big one in Gas City. Eastbrook at Fort Wayne Concordia. Madison Grant will host Southern Wells and Oak Hill will host Southwood. So a lot of high school sports in the area Josh, uh, what's that? Well, and by the way, all those games are going to be on the Action broadcasted Sports Network. on the Action Sports Network. Which, of course, we're going to talk about 
here in just a few moments. Yeah. With that being said, our final topic of today, college football coming up on Saturday. Are you excited? What, what do you think? What did I, I, want, I want you to tell everyone what I messaged you on Saturday morning. He said, hey, is there any college football on today? I said, no, we got one more week. August 26th is when it kicks off. So if I had to guess, you're probably pretty excited, right? I mean, I'm about to do a backflip right now. I can't wait. I would pay 10 bucks to see that happen. <laughs> I really would. That'd cover my uh, trip to the hospital, I guess. Yeah. No, I'm super excited about college football, and I think that we honestly are going to have maybe the most competitive college football season that we've had Man. in a long time. And I think it has a lot to do with the fire of the restructuring of all these conferences. Now, we're not going to get into a big topic Boy. over that. We've talked about it multiple times so far. But when you look at the preseason top 25, you think, holy cow, there's, the top 10 teams could all win the national championship. You know, we don't have this old school like Alabama that's just going to overpower everybody. So you look at it. Georgia's one, Michigan's two, Ohio State's three, Alabama's four, LSU's five. Any of those five teams right there can win it, no doubt. Yeah. And the beauty of it is two of those teams in the top three are Big Ten schools. Yeah, so, so even better for IU when yeah. we get beat, we can say, well, you know. <laughs> well, and we play both of those teams because yeah. they're both in the East Division. Yeah, and we can use that as an excuse. I like to. I just want to tell everybody. Oh. I like to use that as an excuse. Well, that's I, why we got beat. <laughs> I love to use it as an excuse. Well, and if you look just down the list, two more, you're going to see Penn State, who's another Big Ten East team that IU has to play, and that's Penn State. Yeah. So you got three teams from the Big Ten in the top ten. The breakdown by conference. Buckle up. Big 12 has four teams ranked in the top 25. Big 10 has five. SEC has six. The Pac-12, or the Pac-4 now. Or the Pac-none before <laughs> it's said and done. Absolutely. <laughs> they have five right now, actually. Three in the ACC, one independent being Notre Dame, and one AAC school being Tulane. When you look at the five schools that are ranked in the Pac-12, three of them are joining the Big 10. <laughs> USC, Washington, Oregon, all three are joining the Big Ten, and then you have Utah, who's joining the Big 12, and then you have Oregon State, who right now is going to stay in the Pac-4, if you will, because that's one of the only schools that's still left. So when you think of all these teams, you think, oh my gosh, the Big Ten really probably has eight schools ranked. The Big 12 has five. It's going to be interesting to see, but you also got Wisconsin and Iowa rounding out the five schools in the Big Ten. Of course, we don't see IU on this list. This isn't the COVID year. Huh, I wonder where why. Where they're preseason <laughs> ranked 13 and they get all the way to seven at one point. We're not seeing that anymore. Um, Minnesota's receiving votes. Illinois is receiving votes. Both teams could be ranked by the end of the year. Another team to keep an eye on is UCLA. They're ranked 28th right now. They're receiving votes, and they're going to be a ranked team. Once again, they're joining the Big Ten as well. So the Big Ten football team, you know, the 20-team conference now, 10 of those teams are probably going to be ranked. Yeah, the Big Ten's getting ready to be the Big 25 before well, it's all said and done. We know it's for ridiculous. a fact. We know for a fact it's going to be the Big 20, okay? We know for a fact yeah. there's going to be 20 teams starting next year. But that could change with potentially Notre Dame joining. Now we're hearing talks about that. And then Oregon <laughs> State, Stanford, Washington State, 
and California all yet to make a decision in the Pac-12. Oh, boy. Let's kind of break down the schedule for next week or this upcoming weekend here, August 26th. We've got seven games for this week zero is what they call it. Let's go with the Josh and Dalton predict. Yeah, let's 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 do a little. We'll prediction. do this every week. Why not? Yeah, we'll pick uh, ten games maybe a week to pick. Absolutely. Of course, IU and Purdue will always be on that pick'em. And of course, these will probably always be in our fan duels or our DraftKings. Oh, there's no doubt about <laughs> it. I mean, if I'm picking <laughs> them on here, I'm picking them to win money. You know. Yeah. And uh, so you want to take our expert advice yeah. more, Josh, than me, because if you t- listen to me, you'll probably go in debt. Yeah. So we're not. We're gonna help you stay out of debt. So here we go. Saturday's predictions. There's only seven games, so there's going to be a 17 parlay for you. The first game at 2:30 on NBC, and this will be the only Notre Dame's only time slot on NBC. By the way, with the new media deals, 2:30, they don't get that late game anymore. NBC <laughs> said to heck with you, go join a conference. Big Ten gets that slot. Notre Dame Navy. They're playing in Dublin, Ireland. I'm taking Notre Dame. You know, the Irish just sounds right in Ireland. Yes. And the rank 13th Navy, eh, they're average. Notre Dame's going to win that ball game. Absolutely. Marcus Freeman in his second season at Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame has a much different and much more successful season this year than they did last season. Yeah, and I'm not a Notre Dame fan by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, I know you used to be, and I know you still kind of root for them a little bit. Yeah. But it doesn't hurt me to see them lose. I'm just going to come straight <laughs> out and say that. I will say this. Notre Dame – they're not going to beat Navy. They're going to blow them out. I would also agree with that. Next game on the list, 5.30 on CBS Sports Network. You've got UTEP, University of Texas El Paso, versus Jackson State from the Conference USA. This is a Conference USA game. This is a very good matchup, actually. Jacksonville State has been trending upward. UTEP always has a fairly solid football program. I'm going to take the Miners on the road. I'm going to take UTEP over Jacksonville State in an upset. I think on the road game one, they're going to get it done. This is where you take Josh's advice on your parlay. I'm going with the home team at Jacksonville State. Okay. You don't, it's hard. To, you, you don't lose at home. That's just my rule. You can't lose at home. Yeah, but is it really a home field advantage when you get into those small little conferences that don't put a lot of people in the Probably stands? Probably not, but I, that, that's just my rule. You can't okay. lose at home. That's fair. All right. 7 o'clock on ESPN, you have the UMass Minutemen, I think, is what their team mascot is, the <laughs> Minutemen, and New Mexico State. This is a non-conference matchup. It's at New Mexico State. I'm going to take New Mexico State in this ball game. I will back you up on that. And the reason I'm not taking – I should probably pick UMass because I use offensive coordinator Walt Bells from UMass. And that's why you don't was, take them. He was atro- <laughs> that's why you don't take them. <laughs> he was atrocious at <laughs> UMass, so I'm not going to take UMass. I'm taking New Mexico State. Also, 7 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, we've got a local team playing. The Ohio Bobcats take on the San Diego State Aztecs. Once again, that's 7 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. It's at San Diego State. That's a long trip for Ohio. I've got the Aztecs beating the Bobcats. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no chance for Ohio. I know there's probably some Bobcat fans around us. Sorry about you. San Diego State puts a pound into them. I would also agree. 7.30 on the SEC Network, we have the Hawaii Rainbows taking on Vanderbilt. I'll go Hawaii. 
Okay, Hawaii on the road. Wow, that's a yeah. bold, that's a bold prediction. I'll go Hawaii. Vanderbilt has been one of the worst Power Five teams. They are in the same conversation as IU and Kansas when it comes to worst Power Five teams. You've got IU, Kansas, and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is going to get the win at home this year. I remember watching that game last year, and I believe Vanderbilt beat Hawaii at Hawaii. So I'm taking Vanderbilt. I don't like it. Two more games on this going to be Saturday, August 26th. At 8 o'clock on the Pac-12 Network, you have San Jose State taking on number six USC at home. And this is on the Pac-12 Network. It's going to be close early, but and USC a, is going to steamroll. Yeah, then a blowout. USC by a mile. Okay, USC by a mile. I would take USC as well. And the final game to wrap up the first week of college football. Once again, it's week zero is what they call it. Week one officially begins the following week, that Thursday, which would be August the 31st. 31st, yes. Final game, though, 9 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Florida International taking on Louisiana Tech. Both of these football teams are very solid. Louisiana Tech was ranked two years ago. They've kind of fallen off the map a little bit, but still very solid. Louisiana Tech at home, I'm going to take them. The line is 50. Actually, they have Louisiana Tech by 10 right now. I would take the 10. I would actually say probably by 17. I'm going to take Louisiana Tech. I probably should do the same, but just because you picked them, I will go Florida International. So, folks, if you want to win money, take my pick. I've told them before we started. <laughs> All right, that's the list for this Saturday, August 26th for college football. Well, man, I, I'm just happy that we're able to put this episode together because tomorrow, or if you're listening and it's Wednesday – it started two days ago. Yeah. Our week is so busy. Four volleyball matches, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, football on Friday. Don't forget to stay connected with us on our social media pages on Facebook, in the Press Box, on Twitter at INT Press Box. And don't forget, if you're looking for the best coverage of high school sports across the state of Indiana, get on Facebook and follow the Action Sports Network or visit the Action Sports Network website at actionsportsnetwork.live. On the website, you can get to know all of the broadcasters, plus see a full list of the broadcast schedule. Until next time, enjoy your Wednesday. Josh, a busy week is still left ahead for us. Yeah, been a blast. I'm happy that we were able to get this done. Uh, hopefully you'll take a listen to us on the Action Sports Network. Thank you, Andy, and thank you to the Action Sports Network. As we said, have a great rest of your Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Best of luck to the rest of the high school athletes competing the rest of this week and into next, and we'll talk to you down the road. So long.